I'm Danielle Laporte, and essentially, this is a one-woman show about self-realization called With Love, Danielle. These are adult topics, spiritual but sometimes risky, so just FYI with whoever else is around you. There are copious podcast notes at daniellelaporte.com. You can get links to things I mentioned, to people I mentioned. It's all there for you. I'll be talking about compassion, self-help fatigue, sex, joy, serving the world. This is about a spirituality that's way more rock and roll than it is oppressive. I'm here to help you turn your anxiety into power. Personally, I want to live more deeply, but lighten up. You're going to hear about all the ways that I have finally figured out how to do that. It's about doing everything I can to help all of us feel a little less crazy, a lot more full of possibility, and clearly part of the solution. Good morning. We are going to talk about mornings, 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 so sacred, so sweet, so heavy, so difficult for some of us at different times. Here's what I've come to know and experience. Morning mindfulness is how you activate your superpowers. Mornings are sacred. And I have struggled with mornings for a long time. Not that I wake up in a super funky funk or super dark, although that has happened for long periods of time and may happen again, but there's this like, there's this kind of resistance or just like this, a little bit of a weight there. Even if there's some joy, just, I feel like some tension in the mornings. I know mornings are just so key and so significant to how I'm going to do my day, to how I'm going to live my life. I really started looking at this more deeply. Of course, there's so much information and inspiration out there about sleeping habits that lead to good mornings. Because we are a culture that's so obsessed with productivity, not just obsessed with productivity, but obsessed with hyper productivity. That's like we're double fucked. We deal in habits. We are equally obsessed with habits. I lean towards longing for ritual rather than an addiction to habits, but I understand the value of healthy habits. So we're going to talk about habits and rituals. But before we get into this beautiful laundry list I have of things that could change your behavior, sweeten your morning, and therefore, you know, really help you empower empower your day with, with love and clarity, you can't pick up a habit or ritual unless you've cleaned up the stuff that's driving you to want the habit or the ritual, right? And I think we're missing a step. We we jump for the band-aid, we jump for the fix without looking at the cause. So what I did with my relationship with mornings was I looked at why it was the way it was before I attempted to change the way it was. You know what I'm saying? So before we look at how to change outer behavior, we're going to look more deeply at our inner being 
Because before you can identify and start practicing the best morning rituals for yourself, you have to get clear and examine your own personal relationship to mornings. And like any relationship, you have to go back to the roots of it, to when you first met. So some questions for you. Questions I've asked myself. In the household that you grew up in for most of the time, as a child, what were mornings like for you? How did they feel? How did they smell? What was going on? Frantic, chaotic, rushed, peaceful, calm, organized, orderly, sweet, delightful? Was there happiness? Was there a sense of buoyancy? How did you wake up? How were you woken up? Who woke you up? How do the people around you greet the day? How do the different people around you greet the day differently? Generally, what was the vibe and the attitude and the energy in the morning in the household that you grew up in? And then how did you feel when you were greeted by that morning? Did you feel supported? Seen, loved, heard, felt, cared for? Did you feel like a nuisance? Did you feel rushed? Did you feel important? Okay, mornings when I grew up. These are my predominant memories, my remembered sensations and feelings. Let me preface this by saying, as I always will if I ever talk about my childhood or my parents in any public way, I had great parents, and they're great people, and there's lots of love that flows between us then and now, you know? And my parents were young, and there were struggles that came from being uh, teenage parents and, and just life, real life, right? So my memories uh, that really left an imprint on me of mornings, chaotic, cold, sweet, chaotic, cold, and sweet. Chaotic because, I don't know why, I, both my parents had jobs, you know, nine to five and overtime. My mother was a vocational rehabilitation counselor in the city. I think part of the chaos in the morning was she was driving 45 minutes to an hour in one direction. My father was driving in the other direction, same amount of time. So there was some rushing. And then I was just going locally on the big yellow school bus to my school. But there was a lot of chaos, and it was fucking cold in my house. And we just lived in this little tiny kind of bungalow house that we rented from a farmer, a woman who actually became one of my surrogate mothers named Rosemary. She lived across the driveway, her husband had passed away, and she had all this farmland. And so I grew up on farmland outside my window, depending on crop rotation, was beans across from us, was corn behind us, was wheat. And the house was small and unmercifully cold in the winter. We, it was oil heated. I remember sometimes we would run out of oil, not because we were poor, just because we ran out of oil and no one called the oil truck. And the big oil truck would come, the big hose, and fill your tank. Running out of oil in the winter was the worst. So, you know, part of going back to look at your sensations in childhood is because you are so 
intensely impressionable. The things that you are feeling when you are a child, you are often experiencing for the first time. Things you feel first make deeper impressions on your system. You're just more sensitive to it and therefore more susceptible to impact and more open to impact. It can be positive impact. So cold, chaotic, and sweet. Part of the chaos that was going on in my house, for whatever reason, led me to be late for the big yellow school bus a lot. So I missed my bus a lot. And missing the bus meant one of my parents was not going to be too thrilled with me. That was a drag. And that I was going to get to school and my teacher wasn't going to be too thrilled with me. So you can see my setup for mornings is not going well. Also, those were the days when, you know, you thought that white bread and Kellogg's frosted fucking flakes were a part of a nutritious breakfast because those things were kind well, not, I'm not that old, uh, kind of new on the scene. Uh, it's what you could afford. It's what was available, right? So I was also not eating great breakfast. So mornings were great. And I have had a morning hangover since then. Yeah, so let me go back to you. When you wake up, what are the assumptions that you're making when you wake up? Huh? Has anybody ever asked you that question before? Probably not. Hmm? That's why you're here. What are the assumptions you make about your day, about yourself, about the people around you, and about life upon waking up. Are you assuming that life is happy to see you? Are you assuming that your needs are going to be met? Are you assuming other things that maybe aren't so pleasant, that you're going to have to work hard, that you're going to have to grind, that you're going against the flow? Yeah. How about if you woke up assuming that you are loved? It's an assumption, not because it's a guess or it's a wish or it's a hope. It's an assumption because it's baked into your cell. It's a knowing. You wake up, you're just like, you assume life has your back because you know that you are loved by the cosmos, by the great spirit, by God. And that as soon as you open your eyes and you shift your consciousness into waking consciousness in the daytime, that you are continuing. You're not just entering. You are continuing to be held in the flow of life. How's, huh? How's that for good morning? Something has been breathing you while you've slept. Life has been holding you, cradling you, rocking you, restoring, nourishing, educating you dancing with you, nourishing you. Something has been keeping you alive while you've slept. That something is going to continue to carry you throughout your day. You are complete. You are safe. You are loved. You are loving. Good morning. When you wake up, what are you looking forward to? When you wake up, what do you know that you are going to be leading? I've said this before. I'll say it to my last breath. Everybody is a teacher. It just depends on what you're teaching. What does it depend on? It depends if you're teaching truth or if you're just mucking around with illusions. But what are you waking up to teach in the morning? When you wake up in the morning, what's your sense of what you're going to give? What's your sense of how you're going to contribute? Yeah? Super simple. What typically is your first waking thought? Yeah? What do you get to do? 
Do you think about what you have to do that day or what you get to do? Let's talk about obligations for a minute with respect to what you get to do and what you have to do. I would love for you to dissolve the word, the term, the concept, obligation, from your vocabulary and your psyche. Everything you do is a matter of choice, even if it's caring for a loved one and it's really hard and arduous, even if it's those obviously morally, ethically responsible things of feeding yourself, your elderly parents, your children, paying your mortgage on time, showing up at work, delivering to your team, doing what you said you're going to do. You could put all of those in the column of obligation. I have to. You ain't have to do nothing. Everything is a conscious choice. You could choose not to do those things and in some respects suffer the consequences. But if you are in conscious choice, I choose to show up to this. I choose to deliver. I choose to do the hard thing. I choose to be integrity. I choose to be on time, right? So what do you get to do that day? All right, let's get back to the specifics of waking up. I made a choice for myself over the last couple years as I've been refurbishing my relationship to mornings that I was going to choose happiness and positivity even if I was tired physically. I wasn't going to let my physical state override and eclipse the power of my love and my mind because I could see that I was using it as an excuse to make a darker choice. And how I got out of this is I went through a period where I was really into spinning, spin class, biking. And the only reason I got into it was because I had a really talented friend who was an Ironman athlete who was teaching spin class. I wanted to support her. I also wanted to get in better shape. And I was hauling my ass out of bed at five in the morning to get to her class because she's that crazy to teach that early. And what I realized was that even though I was tired and I didn't have enough sleep that night or whatever it is, or I was, you know, had a sugar hangover, that I could physically rise to the occasion. And if I could physically rise to no occasion, I knew that I could emotionally and spiritually rise to any occasion, no matter what physical shape I was in. So can you make a decision to choose joy, no matter what physical shape you're in in the morning, that your physical fatigue is not going to override your potentially joyful and optimistic and strong outlook? It can be done. You just have to refuse to give in to grogginess or any of the reasons that create resentment around why you're tired. Okay, so I got clear about how my relationship with mornings was formed for me as a child and how that was carrying over into my adult reality. I made a decision that I wasn't going to let any form of fatigue affect my mood, even though that was a tall order some days, especially when... There have been long periods of time where that fatigue was there because of illness. Uh, And I decided to do what I knew, which was declare mornings as sacred and then craft my version of a sacred awakening. I've done enough 
therapy in my life to know that I can reprogram myself from, you know, extreme trauma to just negative impressions in my brain. I can dissolve those images, those memories, those sensations, and I can replace them with things that are life-affirming and strengthening and hopeful and positive and thought forms that point me towards joy. Yeah, and that's what mornings have really turned into for me. It's taken a couple years, but I'm on the other side and I'm here to tell you it can be done. So we declare mornings as sacred. What I've come to know is that the energy you put into mornings will give you quadruple, if not 10 times, a return on energy and lightness and clarity throughout the day. It's a little bit upfront, gives you so much more return. Before you get into crafting what a sacred awakening <laughs> would look like for you, uh, first off, you know, give yourself a break. Know that you're not going to start every morning the same way because life happens. Because who wants to start the morning the same way every day? If you intend to create consistency, and I think there are some things you should definitely aim to be consistent with, and you fall off of that, you cannot be giving yourself a guilt trip uh, because you slept in or you didn't meditate that morning or because you let circumstances get away with you, right? If you've done that, if you give yourself a guilt trip for not entering the morning in a sacred way, you've missed the whole point of beginning your day in a powerful way. Guilt is incredibly disempowering. So if anything, we're going to move into a place where we're starting our mornings in a state of compassion so that whatever we are waking up with, however we are waking up to feeling, whoever we're waking up beside, whatever is around us when we wake up, that our first response is a compassionate one because the compassion will bring you into presence. Your presence brings you into your heart. When you're in your heart, you can make the next best choice for you. You can move with more grace into a choice that is just lighter. That's about more delight. That's about more illumination. That is really where you want to be for the rest of your day. Before I get into my list of habits and rituals. Let me just ask you a few more questions. So we've gotten clear on your relationship to mornings, how it was when you were growing up. Now, think about your best morning that you've ever had when you were a kid or a teenager or recently as an adult. Best morning memory. And then let's start to move into the ideal morning. So I'm going to make a distinction between weekday mornings and weekends. So what's your ideal weekday morning design? You can really think this through and sketch it out after we're done here, but just start to noodle on that. And then what's your ideal weekend morning design, Saturdays or Sundays, or whatever your weekend is if you're working shift work? All right, and then all my favorite questions are about feelings. So here we go. Fill this blank in for yourself. In the morning, I want to feel. Okay, how do you want to feel in the morning? These would be what I would call your core desired feelings. Core desired feelings. It's really the heart of all of my work around desire mapping. 
Your core desired feelings are your preferred states of being, how you want to feel most of the time. It's four or five feelings that you use to um, really guide all of your decisions. So you just, you don't have to desire map right now, although that would be great. So just let some core desired feelings surface in your heart and your mind right now. How would you love to feel when you wake up in the morning? If you want to feel that way in the morning, we have to be asking, how do you want to feel every night when you go to bed? Could be the same. Highly likely the same. Your core desired feelings are really guides that you apply to all areas and times of your life. Now think about your favorite ways to create wellness. What are the things you do that most easily, most certainly help you to be well? I mean, for me, it's a lot of stillness and contemplation. Uh, For me, it's conversation. It's my connection with my friends. For me, it's creating, right? I know that if I spend time in prayer or meditation, that is elixir for my psyche, for my soul. I know that if I move my body in a sacred way, not just to be fit, but in a way where it's about being closer to my body and closer to spirit, I am set. I am clearing out major stuff. I know that if I take some time to write and sink into my thoughts, that is some serious medicine. And I know if I have a conversation with a girlfriend, oh God, it's rocket fuel, right? So those are those are my touchstones of wellness. What are your touchstones of wellness? Another way to ask that is, what's your soul hygiene? S-O-U-L hygiene. What do you do that cleanses your mind, cleanses your spirit, cleanses your heart? Because cleansing may become a theme for you in how you build your morning. There's there's contemplation and there's reflection where you're assessing, and then there's a cleansing where you're letting go and you're offering up. And I think both of those need to happen. And the whole point here is we're putting those in the sacred context of the opportunity that morning is. In Raj Yoga, it's believed that rising before the sun helps you tune in and and make the most of the prana, the energy, the life force that is coming as life is dawning in that morning. And that's why in that practice, you rise sometimes three, four in the morning. You get up when it's, it's still dark. Let's talk about stillness. The beauty of creating a sacred morning is that you get to tap the power of stillness. Stillness itself is a superpower. If you want to be a hero, you take a moment to be still. It's counterintuitive. But that combination of that prana that's coming up with the sun, that freshness, that newness in the morning, and being still, oh gosh, it's like it's it's like marinating in, well, you are marinating in the elixir of life. So, so what's your response or your relationship to stillness? For some of us, we know it's this craving, it's this longing, I want more of us. For some of us, 
We crave stillness. We long for it. It feels like this distant thing, but we know that we love it and we desire it. Some of us have a repulsion to it. You just bring up the word stillness and it's like you get the sweaty palms and you're, are you going to ask me to breathe? Are you going to ask me to stop? Am I going to have to drop out? Some of us who are trying to live lives, householder lives, where we're busy, we're living in the quote unquote real world, and we have this messed up relationship with stillness where there's always this, this almost like this creative cosmic tension of, I need more stillness. I need to be more monk-like, more Buddhist, more in more repose. I need to retreat more. I need more blank space, more negative. Yep. And so there's this stillness pressure. No need to feel the stillness pressure. The power of stillness, of using it as the, the power tool that it is, is about sequencing. Stillness isn't necessarily about creating more of it in your life, although that's what needs to happen for so many of us. It's not about dropping out. It's not about being a monk. It's not about going into sabbatical. It's not about unplugging every weekend. Stillness is a matter of sequencing. It's about when you are still, not how much you is still. It's about the timing of it. The most powerful time to be still, the most crucial, critical time to be still is in the morning and in the evening, at the beginning of something and at the end of something. It's why in yoga, you begin a session in calm repose, often kneeling, often in child's pose, often super chill, right? It's why at the end of yoga, you end with shavasana in corpse pose, just lying down. It's about integration. So stillness at the beginning is about tapping into life force, the nourishment that's always there for us, and setting intention. Stillness at the end of a project, at the end of anything, is about integration. It's about marinating in that life force. It's about absorbing. It's about making the most of all the activity, all the motion, everything you have endured and stretched and strived for and created in between. So you create a stillness sandwich, 10% still at the beginning, 10% stillness at the end. That's 20%. This is the 80-20 rule because that 20% of stillness is the 20% that makes all the difference. Hey, I'm just taking a minute to say, speaking of love, aren't we always speaking of love? Rather than taking advertising dollars for this episode, I'm just going to take one minute to tell you about a cause that affects all of us. The charitable organization I want to bring your attention to is V-Day. V-Day is a global activist movement to end violence against women and girls across the world. It was founded by Eve Ensler. You may know her work through Vagina Monologues or through the global uprising that is known as One Billion Rising, which is celebrated on February 14th, Valentine's Day, every year, where over a billion people take to the streets to dance for human justice. If you head to vday.org, you can make a tax-deductible donation in any amount, every dollar counts, towards supporting campaigns to end female genital mutilation, uh, rape being used as a tactic of war, girls being enslaved for human trafficking, and the list, unfortunately, goes on. What it needs is our love, our awareness, our dancing, and our dollars. vday.org. Please 
head on over. There's a difference between habits and rituals. All right, so good habits feel good. Let me just say that again. Sounds super obvious. Good habits should feel good for you. So if a habit doesn't feel good, don't do it. You want to hear that again? I'm just going to write you a cosmic permission slip here. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. Why would you habitually repetitively be doing something, especially in the morning or the evenings, that does not feel good. The whole point of a good habit is to move you into a a higher state of not just optimal performance, but feeling good, right? It doesn't mean that creating a new habit isn't arduous, isn't difficult. There isn't resistance, which by the way, resistance when you're creating a new habit is a sign that the habit is starting to take effect. Resistance is a sign that you are moving towards success. So if you're not resistant, (laughs) you might want to, let me think about that. You see, if you're not resistant, do you need to question that and dig deeper to find resistance? No, I don't think so. Because there's been habits that I've created where the adoption of the new habit created so much immediate relief and joy for me. I got into a higher state, a more pleasant state of being with such certainty and such ease that I didn't have to resist it at all. So I just talked out my whole theory for you there. But the theory remains I'm going to stand by this one. I know for a fact, this is scientifically proven, that. Resistance when you are forming a new habit is a sign that your brain is saying, ooh, something is actually happening here and it may take hold. All right, so let's talk about rituals. There's an overlap, of course, between rituals and habits. Here's the difference in the way that I see it. Habits, let's focus on good habits. Good habits stem from, they come from our mental faculties. They are a function of the mind. They are a logical choice, okay? And good habits are actions that we take in order to um, maintain steadiness, in order to make progress, all right? You know, it's like stretching before you run is a habit that optimizes that exercise, right? Silencing your phone is a habit that's going to optimize your focus. Those are habits. Those aren't rituals. Rituals are not a head exercise. They're not a mental exercise. Rituals come alive in the heart. Rituals are more esoteric in their, in their flavor and their texture. They're active blessings. It's a spiritual gesture. Rituals, rituals infuse our actions with more meaning. Rituals bring the divine into our actions. Rituals are something we do in order to crystallize our intention, right? So a habit isn't crystallizing your intention. Your intention has to come first, and then you choose the habit, right? So first the ritual, and then you take action. First ritual, then habit, right? Let me just say again, 
good habits that are life affirming. Good habits, the best habits make you feel good. So if there's extended resistance to a habit, it's a no fucking go. Okay. If you can't turn that habit into something more positive with immediate compassion and get yourself to like a lovingness, a yesness, a looking forward toness with that habit, then for me, it's still in the no go category, right? I want my habits to bring me joy. Doesn't mean I don't have resistance, but I can feel joy in them. All right. Let's move into the laundry list of morning rituals and habits that I have. This is a long list. Here's my preface I do not do all of these things every day. It would take me weeks to do all of these things every day. I do these things in different seasons, according to different moods, according to the depth of my pain that day, according to the height of my joy, according to my schedule. I am so down with Krishnamurti's philosophy. Krishnamurti is my philosopher, boyfriend, crush. Uh, He said, discipline is a tool that numbs the mind. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Discipline is a tool that numbs the mind, meaning anything that you do habitually without question, examination, without consciousness, I think, without the presence of love, is turning you into a robot. Habits should move you in the direction of keeping you awake and alive and open. Yeah, habits should open you up to life. Rituals declare that we are inviting life in. All right, without further ado, I know you want to hear the list. Here we go. Okay, wait, 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 wait. One more thing before I get into the list. I work from home, so I have a particular kind of flexibility. I also have my my son is home part-time-ish, like five days out of eight with me. So for five days out of eight-ish, He's my focus and my joy and my responsibility in the morning. That definitely shifts the rituals, the habits I'm going to do in the morning. And then I have time where he's not here. He's at his dad's. And those mornings look very differently. So there's some context. I'm not running out the door necessarily. Anyway, okay, enough. Here we go. Let's start with things I do not do. Habits. I do not sleep with my phone on, and I do not turn my phone on right away when I wake up. This is not a guilt trip for all of us who do that because I did it for years. I decided to suck it up, to form a new habit. I had much resistance around this, but the data is in. Screens mess with your mind, and I experimented with myself where I saw what my brain did and how my whole entire day from waking and turning up my phone and checking my email right away, how that affected me until I went to sleep versus the times when I wake up, I do some other things. I make myself, my life, my God, my love, my body, my number one priority before I check to see what anybody else thinks of me, what the news thinks of me, what Instagram thinks of me, what things are happening in the world, and who I should be comparing myself to. Yeah, so I I don't do that first thing in the morning. The difference I found is so much more spaciousness in my mind and clarity in my day when I don't start the day with my phone. 
on the days when I do not start my day with my phone, when I start the day with me and with love and with real life, I end up checking my phone less throughout the day. I've loosely charted this and uh, yeah, I can just tell you it works. Uh, Read a great article from a dude named Tristan Harris. He's the co-founder of the Center for Humane Technology. He is a former design ethicist. There is such a thing. A design ethicist for Google. Because we need to be applying more ethics to how we design our technology because it's all designed for addiction. Here's what he had to say in an article called How Technology is Hijacking Your Mind. When we wake up in the morning and turn our phone over to see a list of notification, it frames the experience of waking up in the morning around a menu of all the things I've missed from yesterday. Don't you feel that when you check your phone right away? What have I missed? What's going on that I don't know about? Yeah? Our phones, most technology, is designed to exploit our mind's weaknesses. Those weaknesses all go back to self-worth, I think. There's research that suggests that getting constant notifications on our phone triggers stress. I mean, really, do we even need to research this? I know I'm like more of a basket case. I'm like, ooh, did I get a heart? Did I get like, how many, how many, how many? Ooh, new concert. Ooh, time to go to sleep. Ooh, time to wake up. Ah, Crazy. All right, let's get out of the craziness. Just, Just don't turn your phone on in the morning. Some of you are thinking, I got kids. I gotta be able to get a phone call. Put your phone out of your room. Turn the ringer on as loud as you can or keep your landline. For those of us who are using our phones as alarm clocks, you know what? Go to your local technology store, go to the drugstore, and for $25, you can get something called an alarm clock, and you plug it into the wall. You can actually get some batteries to put in it in case there is a blackout and there's no power. Make the batteries rechargeable. It's super old school. Changed my life. Best $25 I ever spent. Alarm clock wakes me up if I need a clock to wake me up. All right, one thing I do to have a more sacred morning is I plan my day the night before. How do I do this? I identify the three most important things I need to be doing the next day. I happen to, here's a really subtle sales pitch for you, I happen to have a whole day planner system called the Desire Map Day Planner I will give you a code, by the way, at the end of this episode where you can go purchase the day planner and save some money. But aside from commerce, I created a day planner system that I wanted to use in my own life where my soul was on the agenda, where I was looking at what I was grateful for, what wasn't working in my life, and how I wanted to feel. And that's called the Desire Map Day Planner System. Every night before I go to bed, I identify my three most important things. If I get those things done, I am moving my life forward in the direction I want it to go in. If I get those things done, anything else I get done that day is just the sauce. It's the extra gravy. I can feel extra superwoman that day. I identify at the beginning of every week my core desired feelings. I ask myself once a week, typically on Sundays, What am I going to do that week to generate those core desired feelings? What am I going to do to embody those feelings? 
And it's everything from make sure I hit the yoga mat, eat clean, make that phone call, right? Another thing I do to make sure my mornings are sacred is I optimize my sleep. So much material out there on the importance of sleep on our long-term health. I'm not going to get into it. I will point you to one amazing podcast that sums it up. It's Mark Hyman's podcast. It's called The Doctor's Pharmacy. It's an interview he does with sleep authority, Sean Stevenson. I'll put that link in the show notes. In my room, it's absolutely dark. Um, I even turn over my alarm clock. I sleep with an eye mask. Sometimes there's earplugs. Super sexy. I mean, between my eye mask and my earplugs, and then sometimes a mouth guard, it just says, so come get me, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, dark is essential for me. There's no technology in my bedroom. There's no television. Get your TV fuck out of your room. Your room is for sacred things. It's for the nourishment and the restoration of sleep. It is for the making of love. It is not about the distraction and the trash that is mostly on television. That's just my opinionated opinion, but it's some bad fucking feng shui. Yes, yes, yes. Bring <laughs> bring your laptop into bed, snuggle up, watch some Netflix, have those moments, but make those treats, right? Don't make it the center of your reality. Better things to do in a bedroom than, uh, yeah, cloud it with that technology and violence and et cetera, et cetera. All right. First thing I do in the morning upon waking up is I check my thoughts. Some mornings I wake up and there's some dread or there's some anxiety. It's less and less these days. The, the more mornings that I can choose a thought that is about joy, that's about gratitude, the fewer mornings I have with any kind of negative impression when I wake up. So the first thing I do is I see how I feel. I see what thought is behind that feeling, and then I choose gratitude. My gratitude these days is so basic, so primal, it's divine. I'm so glad to be alive today. That's it. That's where I start. And then I move into prayer. So I pray in bed, but I never meditate in bed. Here's the difference for me. Prayer is a conversation that I'm having with my higher self, with my soul, with my spirit guides, with the Divine Father, Divine Mother, Life Source, God itself, right? It's a conversation. It's a dialogue. I'm often making requests. I'm often expressing my gratitude. All my gratitude goes towards those sources, from, from, from God down to my higher self. I often do that upon awakening. If I move into meditation, I get my body out of bed. Your bed is soaked with sacral sexual energy. It's a beautiful thing. It's not the same vibration as getting yourself into a higher, clearer mental state. You also don't want to wake your body up to be fully alert to cleanse your mind, right? Some mornings, I repeat my core desired feelings to myself. Be the first thing. Love. Union, celebration, vibrancy, 
joy. Those are my current core desired feelings. I might state them just as the words themselves. I might turn them into a prayer. Holy Spirit, God, angels, guides, whatever, whoever I want to turn to that day. Please help me know that. I am love and union and celebration, etc. Or I might put it in an affirmative first-person statement. I am love, I am union, I am celebration, I am vibrant, I am joy. Yeah? Some mornings, I turn to mantras. I One of the best things I ever did in my life was I got Sonos in my house. So I can hear the mantra throughout my home, but you can just like play it on your phone. After you've woken up, gotten out of bed, and said your prayers, and turned to yourself, and journaled, and done all those other things before you turn to the news of the day, if you want to play some music on your phone, I will leave some mantra suggestions for you in the show notes. I love satanama as a mantra. Satanama means, it's Sanskrit, for birth, life, death, rebirth. About covers everything, doesn't it? Uh, some mornings I'll read The Course in Miracles. So whatever you have that is your version of spiritual food, it could be poetry, it could be Rumi, it could be Hafiz, it could be the Bible, it could be the King James version, it could be reading notes from your old journal, whatever it is, something that you consider truly inspired material, do that. Oh, so for me, it's A Course in Miracles. It's really like nectar to my soul. Course in Miracles, it's not a book. That's like saying, oh, the Bible is a great book. It's really a whole ideology, a philosophy, a theology for living life based on the belief that only love is real. Anything that is not real is not love. And its core practice is forgiveness. Yeah, so that's the inspirational content for me. Some mornings, not every morning, right? Some mornings, I really feel the need to write, to write to clarify, and to write to honor and to celebrate. So it often goes like this. I'll write down five celebration points. And by celebration points, I mean five things I am winning at, five things I accomplished. Basically, just five things that make me feel like a hot rock star, right? And it could be things I'm waking up feeling or knowing that I'm going to do that day or things that I accomplished the day before. Five present and future gratitudes. This is one of my favorite things to write about in the morning. So here's how it works. I'll write out five things in current time. I'm grateful for my health today. I'm grateful for my son. I always write out Why? I'm grateful for my health because being well gives me joy. If I'm in joy, I can be of more service. I'm grateful for my son because why? I'm grateful for my son because I experience so much love because of him. Okay, so you get the idea. Current tense, and you explain why. Explaining why you're grateful, going into the because-ness of it, helps increase the sensation of gratitude. When you explain why you're grateful for it, and you increase that sensation, you're just, you're really ratcheting up your vibration, right? You're filling yourself up, fleshing yourself up even more with gratitude. You want to vibrate at a more, the most grateful frequency possible because what you vibrate at 
is hugely influential in what you attract. Not completely, not entirely. You got to leave lots of room for mystery, for surprise, for incoherence, and for lessons to show up. But vastly, our vibe attracts our reality. Okay, so after I've journaled, just written down five things that I'm grateful for in the present tense and because why, then I move into five things that I'm grateful for in the future, but I write about them as if they are happening now. I don't have to trick myself into believing that they are happening now in this current reality because I know that in the field of possibility that I swim in, that I breathe, that I am connected to, all possibilities are happening. So what I'm going to write down that I am grateful for on some dimension is already happening. It's not, it's not a trick. It's a acknowledgement. So I write five things down that I feel grateful for, that in this current moment in the material reality have not yet occurred, and I write down why I'm grateful for them. So I move from present to future gratitude, knowing that that future gratitude exists in a dimension that I fully have access to, that I am opening myself up to every time I move towards joy and every time I thank the future for bringing it to me. All right. Also on the list of things I do in the morning when I am called to, but I do it fairly regularly. I meditate. I, my form of meditation is a combination of meditating where I'm cleansing my mind, I'm bringing down light, I'm watching my breath, and I'm moving into very deep, very elaborate, very sensuous visualization. I do that sometimes it's just four minutes, sometimes it's 11 minutes, sometimes I can move into, I can get so deep in that meditation slash visualization that, um, you know, I'm really in it. It's not because my mind is wandering. I'm in it and I can be in that for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Sometimes my mind is wandering. I'm thinking I got to get chickpeas. I'm pissed off at so-and-so. I got to leave the key uh, there for something. And I've, I eat up my time with distracted mind and I end up being there because I want to complete the steps I have in that visualization. It takes longer because I got distracted. Over time, I have learned to have a compassionate response to the distraction instead of being like, fuck, Danielle, just what? The monkey mind. Just like, oh, just went there. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. A, I'm awesome for intending to meditate in the first place. I'm amazing because I want to practice my devotion. I'm amazing that I carved out some time. Let's just be in that amazingness. And if I fall off of amazingness, I'm just going to return to it. And I'm just going to think to myself how amazing that I was able to move from distraction back to presence. So compassion when you get distracted. Many times a week, definitely in the morning, often throughout the day, I practice the heart-centering practice, which is something I creative. It's a, it's an amalgamation of things I've been taught over time and things I've crafted that have worked for me that is all about getting myself back to my heart center. 
back to the space of the qualities of the heart. Qualities of the heart being love, generosity, joy, inclusivity, and compassion, and gentleness. Did I say gentleness? And I'm going to give you access to that practice uh, in the show notes. It'll all be on my website, daniellelaporte.com. I'll explain it for you right now, and you can do it right now with me if you want. You can also do this in bed every morning. I highly recommend it. Take a few breaths. And on the inhale, you say, hello, God. If God as terminology doesn't work for you, hello, life. Hello, great spirit. Hello, divine mother, divine father. Hello, God. I'm here. You breathe. You say hello to creator. You declare that you are here. Then you ask yourself how you're feeling. My experience often goes like this. I am feeling agitated. I'm feeling sweetness. I'm feeling fatigue. I'm feeling energy. I'm feeling excitement. I'm feeling love. I'm feeling loved. I'm feeling so much peace. I'm feeling gratitude. All right? So the second step is you check in with how you're feeling. Third step, you declare your gratitude. It can be so simple. You're having a shit day. I'm grateful I have teeth. I'm grateful the sun came up. I'm grateful I have the consciousness to think about what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for this bed. I'm grateful for a good night's sleep. I'm grateful that I get to have a nap because I had a shitty night's sleep. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. What are you grateful for? Then you declare your core desired feelings. If you desire a map, you already got them. If you have a desire map, just think about things that you most want to feel that day. Three, four, five feelings. And then you imagine, you feel those feelings in your heart center. All the while, while you're doing the heart centering practice, you're breathing through your heart, not your belly. Breathe into your lungs. So you focus on your sinuses and your lungs, your lungs, your heart expanding. Heart, 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 heart. Love, 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 love. Qualities of the heart. What are your core desired feelings? Imagine them feeling in your heart. You feel, you sense those feelings mingling, intermixing with some colors. Those colors are, see it right now. Visualize it in your lungs, in your heart center. Light, luminous, soft pink. Light, luminous, soft pink. It's alive. It's undulating. It's swirling. Into that pink comes some shimmering gold. It's alive. It's active. Gold is the color of ideas coming into the realm of manifestation. It's shimmering. And then you see some tendrils, some light, fluid, flowing white. Pinks, gold, whites, undulating, swirling, flowing into your heart. You breathe. You're breathing in the feelings you most want to feel, just a handful of them. And then you ask your heart what it wants to tell you. Heart, what's my message for today? The message could be a feeling it wants you to emphasize. It could be a message. You know, I often feel like I'm getting a cue from God in that moment. The message is often just one word. Receive. You're here. Slow down. You're choosing. You're going in the right direction. The message is very often affirming. And then ask yourself for a message about what you want to do, what you should do. Who does God want you to be with that day? What will God have you do? Who will God have you do it with? That's a nod to the Course in Miracles. And sometimes in that moment, I just might be reminded, I'm going to make a phone call. 
I'm going to write something beautiful, or just I'm on track. I, I've, my, day is, my day has been well planned. Take a few more deep breaths, and you give thanks. And that is the heart-centering practice, and that is how I start my morning at least three days a week. All right, so those are some inward practices. My way in the morning is that I like to be ready for the day. So before I leave my bedroom, after I've done whatever it is I'm going to do that's reflective that morning, praying, journaling, listening to a mantra, sometimes I'll do some light yoga, stretching. After I do all of that, I come down to start the day. I am dressed. My bangs are straight. I have got my lip balm on. I've noticed that when I sneak down in the morning before I'm really ready to begin my like full-on active day, if I come down and my kimono or all whatever in the morning to just get some water, make a tea, get something out of the fridge, my morning is not the same. I I get distracted. Then I gotta oh, then I'm gonna just get a little almond butter. And then oh I'm gonna check that. And oh, and I'm gonna just do that dish. Oh, I'm gonna fold that. Oh, maybe no. You know, maybe this comes from when I was little. I used to watch Dynasty a lot. And I loved how that ostentatious <laughs> richer than God family. <laughs> Wasn't it amazing? Everybody had their own wings in the house. I thought it was amazing. Like you still got to live with your parents, but you had your own turret. But everybody came down dressed. Of course, they addressed to the nines, double shoulder pads, fuchsia lip gloss, Revlon color 102, hair done, but they were ready to kick ass. And I just thought, I'm going to be that when I grow up. So yeah, I do my yoga and then I come down. My hair is did. We always light a candle every morning in the kitchen, and it's a prayer candle. It's not just for grace and for light and aesthetic. Uh, the intention is always a simple request for a friend in need or a cause that requires some more love that day. And we just, you know, might just light it, and I'll just announce to my kid, this is for so-and-so's cancer, or this is for the floods, or whatever whatever the calling is that day and that's it uh there's always some little divination card that i have in the kitchen again i'm not doing this every day i'm just doing this many days but in my kitchen drawer i got some angel cards there's a I, i'm not really into tarot anymore but sweet little oracle like things that uh we can use to like answer a question for ourselves by the way i don't think that any power greater than me is giving me an answer through a divination card. I think my higher self is just using a different mode, a different cue, a different symbol to give me what I need that day. It's not God speaking to me through that card. God does not need a tarot deck to tell me which way to go. I don't need a tarot deck to tell me which way to go. But some days I just like a little extra insight. But I'm making the assumption that that insight is coming from, from me, that I'm my own guru in that situation. On our fridge, we have the Metta Bhavana prayer. 
I'll leave it for you at the end of this, but it's so simple. May I be happy, may I be free, etc., etc. And sometimes my son and I will recite that together. Sometimes I'll say it quietly or, or out loud to myself as I'm cutting up my mango, whatever it is. I often will light incense in the morning. Um, I have a stick of Palo Santo and sage that sit on my kitchen stove. Why are they on my stove? Because there's the element of fire. Because it's what's easy. It's an easy place for me to express my devotion is in my kitchen where I spend a lot of time. Not always because I'm cooking, but um, it's just the space where we hang. So I always light the sage first, and then I light the Palo Santo. And the way I've been taught to do this is always give first thanks. I give thanks to the earth, and I get very specific about the elements. I thank the earth and the soil. I thank the water. I give thanks to fire. I give thanks to air. Thank you for life. May all be so blessed to feel the gratitude for this life. And then in comes maybe a prayer. Help me be clear today. Help me be this. Help me be whatever. And then I might give specific thanks for specific things. And I always conclude with, may all be so blessed. May all have the consciousness I have. May all have the good fortune that I have. May all have the health that I have. May all have reasons to be, the same reasons to be grateful or more reasons to be grateful that I have. May all be so blessed. Uh, Music is a huge thing in my house. So (laughs) we have some great playlists. Current names of playlists in my house are Fuck Grade 9. (laughs) Uh, I love my kid. Hot for the Teacher. That's uh, some 80s banger music. Uh, Let me see what else I got on my playlist here. My personal playlist, Summer Baller, Sultry Grace. That's some shagging music right there. Oh, I have a playlist just for Phil Collins and uh, Peter Gabriel. So great to... That's actually more evening music. I have a playlist called God One and God Two. (laughs) anyway you get the idea a lot of sensuality a lot of god if i'm going to do yoga in the morning i choose my practice the night before because that increases the chances that i will actually get my ass on the mat and practice that day on the mornings when i choose to get my sweat on or at least get a glow on i know for a fact that if i move my ass in the morning I am more likely to continue to move my ass during that day. If I sweat just a bit, so just a bit means I give myself 12 minutes on my elliptical or I do five songs to just sweat, do a sweaty walk or run around the block. I am more likely to go for a longer walk in that evening or get my tail on the yoga mat for a full class that evening. Objects in motion tend to stay in motion. What I've learned about yoga practice is that five minutes is better than no minutes. That any form of devotion has so much, its its power is increased with consistency, not necessarily with length. 
It's not about how long you meditate necessarily or how sweaty you get in the yoga or how intensely and fervently you pray. It's that you show up every day to signal life that you are devoted, that you are here and that you are open. And sometimes you only got four minutes to do that before you got to get your ass out the door. All right. Those are generally my mornings. I would also like to add to the list that some mornings I dance just one song if three days a week, just three days a week, I can dance in my living room or my kitchen to one full song in total sexy, glory, messy, out of rhythm, just real and authentic. Some days I just sway and some days I gyrate and some days I stomp and some days I'm begging and some days I'm celebrating, but I'm there and I'm moving life through my body and I'm asking for support with all that I've got, just three days. And some days it's Van Halen and some days it's Southern Gospel and some days it's Anne Brune and some days it's Leonard Cohen, it's Daniel Caesar, it's Sinead O'Connor. I'm showing up. All right, grand finale. We need to talk about Sundays. Sundays, in terms of the esoteric, are the days where we are being energetically impressed upon by the energy of the sun, hence Sunday. It's a day that has sort of extra cosmic shimmer to it where the soul and the higher soul energies are oh, they're just they're just raining down more than they do monday to saturday for any of you who have altars set up devotional altars blessed altars you're working with higher beings or monks or priests and they've you've got some kind of effigy in your house you know sunday is the day to tend to the altar to dust it to put on fresh water most altars in in how i like to create altars have all elements represented you have something that represents earth it's actual you know a small container of dirt or something that's clay terracotta ceramic um, you're giving thanks to water, so there's some small vessel of water. You're giving thanks to the earth and to the soil, so there's um, to the the bounty of the soil. So there's fruit or there's flower, and you're giving thanks to the air. So there's incense. That's why those elements are often present on altars. So it's the day to dust, refresh, and empower so re-pump up rejuice that altar with a prayer with an acknowledgement for what it's doing in your life for me an altar is uh it's a symbol of my gratitude of my guardianship and my desires having that as an anchor is just bringing my mind and my heart to all of those elements. So Sundays are the days when I tend to my altars, and Sundays are the day when I give extra gratitude. I will often start my day with doing 
a stream of consciousness list, just one word at a time of things that I'm grateful for, and I focus on elements of the earth, Atlantic Ocean, Pacific Ocean, Arctic Ocean, etc., for soil, for minerals, for water, for wells, for water that comes out of the tap, for puddles, for streams, for butterflies, for bees, for honey, for land preservation, for water preservation. I'm thankful for grace and for consciousness, for my heart. I'm thankful for bone and blood. So you can see how long that list can go on. And I just go, I give myself 30 to 40 minutes. I cover everything I can remember that's on the earth. Birds and snakes, I cover every healthy emotion. These are things that I want to protect and adore and grow. So I focus on the positive, the hopeful, and the optimistic. I thank life for all pleasurable, higher states of consciousness. I give thanks for love. I give thanks for generosity. I give thanks for friendship. I give thanks for sisterhood, brotherhood, humanity. I give thanks for tolerance. I give thanks for communion. I give thanks for connect. It goes on. And before I know it, an hour's gone by. I write with pencil. So uh, I've just got the mineral of lead. It feels closer to earth. I have a stack probably seven inches high of Papers and notebooks I've filled with my Sunday stream of consciousness gratitude list. I highly recommend it. And to do it in a spirit of such devotion that not only are you giving such intensely conscious gratitude, but that you are knowing that that homage, that act of appreciation is nourishing you, expanding your consciousness and contributing to the increased sweetness of everybody else's consciousness. You, your expression of gratitude in such an intentional way is raising the vibration of, of the field of life for all of us. Yeah. Whew. Who knew we were going to go that far into mornings? Good morning. Let's end with this. Decide to rise. You can refer to this when you are in doubt, when you are sick, and when you are tired. I am all for mental health days and gentleness, and I think the world should take the month of December off. And for the love of God, a four-day work week would revolutionize the collective human spirit, and thusly, healthcare. But this is a pep talk. And this isn't about taking it easy when you are tired necessarily. This is about another form of self-care. It's about doing what it takes to rise. Decide to rise. Decide to be one of those people who pulls it off. Devote yourself to done. Decide to rise. Why decide to rise? Not for the reasons you might think. Do not rise out of obligation. If you think about it, obligation is a terrible word. Do not rise because of feared consequences. Do not rise because you think being tough makes you smarter. It doesn't. It just makes you tougher. Decide to rise because you want to expand, because you want to expand your being, your life, your possibilities. When you expand your possibilities for you, you expand your possibilities for us. 
decide to rise because superpowers are meant to be activated and applied in everyday real life. Decide to rise because you want to explore your place in the universe. You have your very own place in the universe. On the other side of deciding to rise is illumination and ecstasy and insight. I promise. And there will be the angel of your strength, and he or she or they will be waiting for you, smiling, applauding, with a goblet of endorphins saying, drink up. When you transcend circumstances, you rise. And you will get evidence that you are indeed amazing, and there will be irrefutable proof that what your heart and mind choose is what matters the most. And you're going to get this deep knowing that life wants you to unfold. Even when the dog is barking, it's life saying, decide to rise. Decide to rise. Lean in. Listen up. Listen really closely. It's your soul speaking. And your soul is saying, I need you. I want you. I am you. Choose me. Lean in. Listen up closely. Decide to rise. Good morning. Little bit of extra love coming your way with reflection cards. Reflection cards are a set of really short but really deep, kind of like me, questions for you to go deeper into your heart and your own wisdom. You don't have to journal. You could ask yourself while you're running to catch the bus, or you could journal. This could be part of your morning pages, just some depth to expand the day. You get the idea. I know you're wise. Questions, reflection, expansion. Go to daniellelaporte.com slash with love and everything podcast and reflection is right there waiting for you. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening, for feeling, for spreading the word. You can find me here in a new episode every Thursday and every Sunday. With love.